What does it take to win? Well, that's the question that the Russians are asking. That's the question that the Ukrainians are asking. What does it take to win? Not only a question being asked by Russia and Ukraine, a question being asked by Americans. But are we prepared for what it might take to win? Tony Katz, great to be with you. Major Mike Lyons joins us right now. Radio uh, military analyst for radio and for TV, MAJ Mike Lyons on the Twitter box. And let's start with what we don't know, uh, sir, which is we don't know how many dead Russian soldiers. We don't know how many dead Ukrainians. We know that the Russian military is incompetent, yet they're still doing damage. What is the latest on the Russian positions and the Russian movement, whether it's in Kiev or in the rest of the country? Uh, Tony, I'd say stalled all the way around. Now, they're doing better in the south, no question about that. But you asked about, you know, what, what's the condition of them. There's a lot of dead Russians. There's a lot more than Russia expected at this point, three weeks into this battle. There's a lot of dead Russian tanks. There's a lot of tanks that are being pulled by Ukrainian farmers. The pictures are just incredible that just come back there. You're seeing the effects of the javelins. They're in the hands of the Ukraine soldier. They are doing exactly what they're supposed to do. They're tearing the tops off of those tanks. Um, they're, they're creating a terror environment for the Russian soldier that thought they were just going to kind of walk in, in through this. So I don't see any kind of offensive movement towards Kiev still taking place. I think that's what reports show across the board with other analysts and other uh, folks that have t- take a close look at it. Now, they are gaining success in the south. Mariupol likely will be the place where they'll still focus. They still haven't taken that town yet either. They're absolutely doing everything they can artillery-wise to raise it, indirect weapons and the like. Um, and still no movement out of death, so they haven't kind of sealed off the Baltic Seas or the or the, uh, the Black Sea yet to to Ukraine. So again, the Russian military is failing miserably. Twenty one days into this, not accomplishing their objectives. But they're still engaged in bombing raids. They're still engaged in killing. I've heard reports that they're about nine days away from running out of ammunition. I don't know if that's true. How is it that they're stalled? Is it because the Ukrainians are fighting back with such ferocity or because of total incompetence of the Russian military? I think a lot of different reasons. Yeah, we're, we're seeing those reports, that inflection point of they will run out of ammunition here shortly. And I think it's just it's, it, you, you combine all of the things that are going right for the Ukraine soldier and all of the things that are going wrong for the Russian soldier. I think they don't have confidence in their equipment. I think their plan is not very good. They, they underestimated the amount of troops they needed to bring to the battlefield, especially in Kiev, a town – um, not a town, a city, 3 million people with uh, a, a, you know, 300 square miles of, of area that they have to kind of fight their way through. You know, they're looking maybe for propaganda hits to try to drive a tank through somewhere and, and get it, you know, get it through. But but the bottom line is the, the Russian conscript is not interested in fighting. It's not interested in moving. And the fact that they had those vehicles on that convoy for so many uh, days and they really haven't spread them out, they haven't deployed things tactically. I think it, a lot of it has to do with leadership. The, they, they've, they're not well trained. They've been out in the field now for the last six months. And they're getting tired. I, I bet you they thought that, you know, okay, get this over with. We've got to go through Ukraine, and we'll kind of wrap this thing up. And now they're in the middle of a, you know, real, what's a hornet's nest right now for them. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States military, uh, U.S. Army West Point graduate, radio, uh, radio and television military analyst. Now let's get into the idea of winning. We hear this a lot. And we certainly hear uh, that Putin's idea of winning is taking the Donbass. Uh, Zelensky is dead or, or, or out of office. A rewrite of the Constitution. No joining NATO. Ukraine has already said, all right, we're not going to join NATO. But 
if we're discussing the idea of winning, somebody has to lose. So what has anybody figured out what Putin's win is here? And are there different levels and categories to which he can be moved to accepting a victory? Well, let's say if he takes uh, the Donbass region and creates Russian federations out of them and, and, and carves a new border for Ukraine, and that would take uh, Crimea, which he's controlled already, and, that, and Mariupol, which might not want to go along with this, and he'll have, to, he'll have to kind of figure that out. But that then gives him that true land bridge. He really didn't have it before. He had his, you know, kind of this other way to, to get there, and we're talking rail and road and all kinds of a, of a more sophisticated network in order to reinforce Crimea, which he needs because he needs the warm weather, warm weather port for his navy. So that's why that's strategically important to him. He leaves Odessa to Ukraine, which allows them to have a port. And, you know, again, we talked about you have to have a country. You have to have that, that kind of those kind of resources there as well. And then if he gets this, Ukraine doesn't join NATO anytime soon. You know, that that might be enough of an off ramp for him to say that 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 declare that he declares victory with that. I, you know, again, Vladimir Putin is not going to survive uh, very much longer, let's say, you know, 10 years or so, you know, he, his, his days are going to be numbered now because of this this operation. Um, so maybe Ukraine does join in the future. But but for right now, Ukraine agrees to that, which gets, you know, the war to stop, which is really the most important thing. So in order to 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 have a, a, a victory, Ukraine has to agree to a lot. So mm-hmm. when you're the United States in this case, how do you get Russia to put a deal on the table, how do you convince Ukraine to say yes to a deal, and how do these deals affect America going forward? I've got a follow-up, but let's start with that. Well, I, th- I think first and foremost, for us to be involved, we've got to agree to bring troops, blue, blue-helmeted NATO or UN troops there, and, and make sure that Russia abides by whatever deal they're going to do, because they've got so much military equipment that's there. Now, there's going to have to be this tremendous cleanup that's going to take place as well, and who's going to, you know, who's going to do that? I think the West needs to come in and take, you know, help help Ukraine with that responsibility as well. But, um, but the the, I, the thing is, we've seen these deals kind of go down this path before, and then at the last minute, the, the rug gets pulled on them, and then you know the, the Russians, you know, go back to their combat ways. So the, it's going to have to take an outside intervention party, possibly again the UN. We've seen blue helmeted troops do this kind of thing in the past. It's still going to be a very dangerous place, though. Talking to Major Mike Lyons, retired United States Army. Uh, I, I I come to you with with a, a I mean maybe I'm asking a political question, but it really is a a military question. It is a leadership question, mm-hmm. which is we have seen um, a rethink on the world stage of how problems are dealt with. You're seeing Sweden and Finland, as as we've discussed, saying we can't have this. Places that normally wouldn't say anything regarding Russian uh, uh, aggression. We have an entire conversation now of the populace in the United States versus the neocons. And does deterrence work or is it the only thing that'll work? And some of them are bragging, hi, you should have listened to us. And some people saying we have no business in this Ukraine uh, issue whatsoever. NATO, in Europe, I should say specifically, finally thinking about, hey, these Russians are serious people and they can get people killed. We have to do something. What is the alignment that comes out of whatever happens in Ukraine? What What is the future of NATO in your view? No, stronger. I think that this will, it's woken the Germans up. It's, it's going to put uh, more emphasis on some of these NATO countries to recognize 
that um, the deterrence that they had to keep Russia from invading a sovereign neighbor, regardless of whether they were, were NATO or not, just didn't happen. So we've got to rethink all the deterrence. Right now, all the deterrence is on Vladimir Putin's side. He knows we won't get involved <clears throat> because he can escalate it to a nuclear war, and that's not something what we want. I, I think this is going to – it could work out, uh, the fact that the Germans are going to get more involved. Here's a, here's a country that you know, has in its history that uh, it, you know, strong militarily and decided for the last really 50 years to, to sit on the sidelines. So I do believe <clears throat> overall you're going to see a stronger united Europe when it comes to this. And perhaps the, the United States doesn't necessarily have to take a leadership position. It's more like an overwatch conciliatory position and consulting this. Uh, but, um, but again, we still bring all the firepower. We still bring all the military might in the short run to what, what could be a bad situation right now.